Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Hey, and uh, glad that you're here with us. Uh, I think, you know, I've been preaching here since early January, and I think this is the first sunny day we've had. Uh, we've had all sorts of interesting weather this year, and uh, it's a pretty day today, and glad that we get to worship the one who, who made it. Last week, if, uh, if you were not here, we began to talk just a kind of a little mini-series about um, the, a resource that God has provided us, the Holy Spirit. And if you find yourself at times wondering if you're really on God's radar, uh, if He really is concerned about what's going on in your life, I want to encourage you to go back and go online and listen to what we talked about last week. The Holy Spirit as an intercessor, that He, he is within us and He communicates to God what's going on in our lives. At the same time, Jesus is at the throne of God and He is interceding and pleading for us. And uh, such a wonderful blessing and a a marvelous gift that God has given us. And I would encourage you to go back and get that lesson. This week, we're going to talk about something else the, the Holy Spirit does. And the setting for this is in John chapter 14. Now, what's going on here, I think, is, is kind of important. Um, this is sometimes referred to as the last discourse. It's the last time that Jesus is going to be with his, um, his disciples uh, on that side of the cross. And... He, you know, they, they've come together, they've had what we refer to as the Last Supper, and um, Jesus has washed their feet as a way of showing how they should relate to one another and, and to the world. And when this time ends, these, these chapters here, when it ends, it's going to be with the prayer that Jesus prays in John 17, a prayer that we, we uh, know uh, is, is very meaningful to Him. And then after that prayer is ended, the events of the cross are going to begin to unfold is it shortly after that that he is going to be arrested. And so what he's doing here in John 14 and throughout this entire section is trying to boost the morale of the disciples and, and kind of prepare them for what is to come. And here's how he does that. In John 14, uh, beginning verse 15, he tells them, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will send you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. Now, I'm really interested in this word advocate back in verse 15. He's, uh, I'm going to ask the Father, and He's going to send you another advocate. That's kind of a, a meaningful word in the language in which John wrote. It's actually a compound word, and the, the prefix for this word, the word is paraclete. You might see that if you ever read, look at commentaries or may have heard it before, paraclete. It's a compound word. The prefix is a preposition that means near or beside or alongside. And the verb form of the root of that word is to call or to summon. And so when Jesus says advocate, what he's referring to here is someone who has been summoned alongside. Literally someone who has been called to be, to be near. And so that's how, that, that is the, the phrase that he uses to describe the Holy Spirit here, this advocate. Some translations say encourager, uh, some say counselor, some say comforter, but the whole idea is that the Spirit has come, and he is, he is with you and with us in a very real sense. And did you notice what he does from that position? He said he is the Holy Spirit 
who leads us into all truth. That's one of the things that the Holy Spirit was going to do for them as they face these uncertain times, and that He does for us as well. He, he leads us into all truth. And I don't think there He's talking just about like doctrinal truth, you know, how to understand the Bible, that sort of thing, but all sorts of truth. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. So He, he tells them that uh, to get them ready for what's to come in chapter 14, and then he says it again a little bit later in chapter 14. Um, he said that when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. That's why he just said that to them. And not only does he say it twice in one chapter, but he says the same thing again in chapter 15. I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth, he will come from the Father and will testify all about me. And then he says the same thing the next chapter. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Think about what's going on here. They're going through some uncertain times. And so four times in this one setting, Jesus says the same thing. This is a big deal to him. And I just love the imagery and the way he conveyed this. Uh, John, in writing about this, used a word that said, he's right here with you. And every time you can count on him, kind of helping you make sense of things, helping you understand what's, what's going on. He's going to help you know truth. As I said, I don't think that's limited just to the kind of knowledge, like we tend to think of truth in a, in a religious context, not just biblical truth, but really uh, life and all that's involved in that and the truthfulness of life. Here's, here's a way to think of it. We, we know that life can be uh, viewed as a journey. We're on this journey. And, and God doesn't just want to see us make it home on this journey, but He wants us to kind of go the right way along the, along the, the, the path. Um, he wants the, the journey itself to be good. I, I love a, an old song that was decades ago by one of my favorite singers at that time, Michael Card. The song was called Joy in the Journey. You know, there, there is joy in the journey, not just the final destination. It's not just when you finally get to Disney World, but there is joy in the trip. At least theoretically, <laughs> there's supposed to be joy in the trip. Um, he goes on to say there's a, there's a light we can love on the way. Not just the light at the end of the tunnel, but God can work in our lives in such a way that we can actually uh, enjoy that light while we're, while we're traveling. And so on this, this journey, God wants us to travel well through this life. He wants us to enjoy the journey and be an influence, be able to handle the things that come our way, be able to make sense of life, and the Holy Spirit is able to do that. I, I love what I think Paul kind of helps us see this with, with what he says, something very similar to what Jesus was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, It was to us God revealed these things by His Spirit. The Spirit is supposed to make things known, make, make us understand truth. Well, Paul's saying the same thing. He revealed these things by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Now, you remember last week we talked about how you know, we don't know what to pray for sometimes, but the Holy Spirit uh, prays for us, pleads for us with these groanings uh, in agreement with God's will. 
Well, that's how he's able to do that. The Spirit knows God's thoughts. Uh, and so he can communicate to God what's going on. So, so no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Through the Spirit, we're able to know, whatever Paul has in mind here, these wonderful things that God freely has given us. God's, God's will, God's plans, all that God is doing. Not, not everything, of course, but, but what He wants us to see, the Spirit is the one who makes that possible. So the Spirit helps us see God and life and how they intersect and, and the, the truthfulness of that. And so if God wants us to enjoy the journey, if God wants us to travel well through this life, the Holy Spirit is our guide who knows the way. The Holy Spirit is the one who can help us make sense and, and help us uh, be able to kind of handle those things that we're not certain about. Now, is that really kind of redundant, I guess, to say the guide who knows the way? I mean, if he didn't know the way, he wouldn't be the guide, would he? That's what a guide does. He knows the way. But let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if your GPS has ever given you wrong directions. <laughs> just about all of us have experienced that, haven't we? We had dinner with someone just Friday night out at Dale's in Wahlberg. Have you been, been there? And, um, and they were a few minutes late, and the first thing they said was, sorry we're late, our GPS got us lost. You know, that's not supposed to happen. That's why you use this thing. That's why you have a map, is to get where you want to go. But those things are fallible. The Holy Spirit isn't. We may not always understand and see exactly what he's doing, but the Holy Spirit was given to us to help us, help us know truth. Now, here's why this is such a big deal and why it's so good. Um, and here's really what we're up against. A few chapters earlier, Jesus is engaged in this conversation, it's really an argument, with the Jewish religious leaders of his day. And at this point in the Gospel of John, they don't like Jesus, but they really haven't started uh, actively working to destroy him, but that's about to happen. And in this particular setting, they're, they're having this argument, and Jesus takes off the gloves. And man, he is, he is hitting these guys hard. And so much so that at the end of this discussion, they are going to try to kill him right on the spot. And so in, in John 8... Here's, here's what happens. Jesus told them, If God were your Father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I am not here on my own, but He sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? Now, that's never a question you want to hear somebody ask you. you know, you're talking to them, and why don't you understand what I'm saying? Well, Jesus tells them why, and it's going to get, it's going to get tense here. He said, It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil. These are the Jewish religious leaders. And you love to do the things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell you the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. We don't even speak the same language. Jesus is telling them, I've come from God, I'm telling you the truth, I'm telling you things of God, and you're, you're only hearing the words of your father who is the, the, the father of lies. And so the disciples are about to be in a position 
where they're going to be vulnerable to some of those lies. Uh, in just a, you know, a, a matter of time, it's not all that, that far off that they're going to see Jesus arrested and nailed to a cross and placed in a tomb. And they're going to think that everything is bad and the game is over because that's what Satan is going to be whispering in their ears. What Jesus wanted them to say is, what the Spirit wants you to see is, the game is not over, you haven't lost, and eventually this is going to work out in the very best way possible, and life is going to be changed forever. And so he wanted them to know the truth about what was going on around them, and the Spirit was sent to do that, and I think he wants us to know that truth as well. I think that's what he wants for us, because we have an enemy who wants to see us fail. His mission is to keep us from getting home, and not only to keep us getting, from getting home, but to keep us from enjoying the journey. And there's this warfare going on, and his chief weapon is the lie. He's been using that weapon from the very beginning, and of all the weapons that he has, I don't know of any that are really are more effective than these lies that he, helped, that he conveys to people about what God is doing, about how God feels about us, and, and all that God is trying to do in this world. He is the father of lies. He was from the beginning, and he still is. I, I love this quotation by Craig Rochelle. He said, our, our weakness as human beings, our weakness is believing lies, and if we believe a lie long enough, it will affect our lives as if it were the truth. Now think about that for a moment. A lie that affects our lives as if it were the truth. Imagine living a certain way, being someone, uh, and, and trying to function in this world. Imagine all the damage that is done if we live our lives as if a lie were the truth. Several years ago, I read a book by a man by the name of Hiroo Onada, who was a soldier in the Japanese army during World War II. He was stationed in the Philippines on the island of Lubang. And uh, he and just a few others kind of manned this remote out outpost, and they never got word that the war ended in 1945. They, they didn't get word that entire year and that entire decade, and not until 1974, 29 years later, the year I graduated from high school, was he finally convinced that the war was over. And during that time, he, he said that uh, you know, they, would, they would kind of drop leaflets into the jungle calling him in. They had his uh, former commanding officer you know, flying around in a helicopter with a loudspeaker uh, uh, you know, saying, oh, the, the war is over. They, they uh, uh, leaflets again with a picture of his brother on there. But he, he said he had so many preconceived ideas that he interpreted all those not as come in, but stay out. <laughs> the very opposite of what they were trying to convey. His, his life for 30 years was wasted because he accepted a lie as truth. And I think the enemy is still doing that today. Maybe the, the father of lies is trying to, to do a number on you right now. And maybe there are some things he's whispering in your ear. 
You know, the way this whole series, this little mini-series, God is for you, came about is because we spent some time talking about repentance, you know, about alignment, about aligning our lives with the will of God. And, and you know, my concern is about that, and why we're doing this is I, I think sometimes we might think we can't do it. And so maybe Satan is whispering in your ear, that's not, that's not for you. You fail too many times. Or it's, it's too hard. You're, you're a pretty good person. You're maybe better than most people, but there's this one area of your life that you'll never align with the will of God. Satan wants us to think that we should accept defeat and mediocrity. Spirit is saying you can live victoriously. You can have an abundant life. Maybe the lie that Satan is whispering to you is that you don't, you don't really have much to offer. Your, your contribution to the kingdom of God isn't needed. It's too insignificant. And so you don't volunteer. You don't give. You don't make the phone call to encourage. You don't write the note that's going to make somebody's day's day better because you think that I just it's not going to matter. It's, it's too insignificant. It's, it's really not worth the trouble. Satan wants you to think that you don't matter and that you, you're not needed. The Holy Spirit has given you gifts that he wants to use to, uh, to, for, for the common good and that he wants to use to advance God's kingdom. I think one of the ways that we are especially susceptible to the lies of the father of lies is in relationships, uh, especially marriage, uh, from assuming the worst in each other uh, and interpreting things in the worst possible light to thinking he or she really doesn't love me, to thinking it's never going to get any better and we need to just end this whole thing. Satan will say that it's not going to go well. Satan is saying all these lies about things. Spirit is saying you were, you were made one and you, you had love and we know that love never fails. And so as, if you'll just pursue love, maybe even with help, you'll, you'll get there. I mean, this on and on we could go. Really, there isn't much of life that is off limits from the father of lies. And I think that's why we need the spirit of truth to permeate every area of our lives, not just lives on, on Sundays. Now, I would, I would love to talk more about how the Spirit does all of this uh, and how he, how he works and conveys truth, but we, we don't have time for that, which is really preacher code for I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I know a few things, but I, I, I can't answer those questions. And when, when, you know, sometimes people will say, well, the Spirit led me you know, to do this. And I just, I just accept that at face value because I don't know everything that the Spirit is doing in my life, much less everything that He's doing in everyone else's life. But, but what I do know is that, um, that sometimes the Bible is referred to as the sword of the Spirit. In other words, it is, a, it is a, a tool that the Spirit will use. And I know that the Bible is described as being living and active, and maybe that life and that activity comes through the hands of the Spirit. And, and so really what, what you and I are doing when we open up our Bibles or pull out our Bible apps, however we're doing it, is we are inviting the Spirit to take these words and to impart truth to us. Not just 
not just words on a page, but really impart truth to us. And I think that that sequence is important. The goal is not knowing the Bible. That's not a goal for my life, to know the Bible. The goal is to know God and to know the truth of God. And the Bible is a means to that end. It is a tool that the Spirit will use to reveal God's truth to us, to reveal, as we heard from Paul earlier, all these wonderful things that God has, has freely given us. I want to I close with an observation and, and a challenge. And um, the observation is this. I, I have noticed how you know, the Spirit imparts truth. I've, I've noticed how my understanding of truth in my own journey has, has changed a lot over the years. Uh, things that I once you know, believed the Bible taught that I don't believe anymore. Even how I approach interpreting the Bible has changed over the years. And, and we, probably you have seen that as well in, in your life. Um, you know, I can remember years and years ago where, and unfortunately there are still churches like this today, where, uh, where a divorced person who had remarried could not become a part of a church because of that divorce. And so they would have to break up a marriage or, and sometimes they even say, go back to your first spouse, which is ironic because that's the one thing the Bible says you shouldn't do uh, in, in the Old Testament. But, but just this view of, of, you know, of divorced people that was driven by their understanding of truth. And we've seen things like you know, this morning, we, we sang a song about, come Holy Spirit, come. Um, we were talking earlier with someone this morning about how, you know, growing up about the only sermons I ever heard about the Holy Spirit was what the Holy Spirit doesn't do. Uh, usually in response to kind of the speaking in tongues and Pentecostalism and that sort of thing. And here we are inviting the Holy Spirit to come and, and be among us today. And there are just so many other, you know, doctrinal matters and, and other uh, changes that I have experienced personally in my lifetime. And that's a really good thing. Some people might feel like that I have left the truth with some of the things that I now believe, but I don't, I don't believe that. I think I have discovered truth in ways that I hadn't seen before. And I think I have uh, maybe a better understanding of who God is and God's will for, for my life as my view of truth has shifted over the years. Uh, as I've learned more and rethought things, I've, I've just seen a lot of change that's been good. And that, that leads me to this observation. It is okay to question truth. That does not mean that all everything that I might think is true. It doesn't mean there are no absolutes, but it, it really is a good thing to question truth. I would hate to think of now being where I was 30 years ago in my understanding of, of the Bible and understanding of God. And so, so questioning truth is a good thing. And the reason I say that is it's, it can really make us uncomfortable at times. It, it makes us uncomfortable ourselves, unsettling, and it, it, it makes us uncomfortable with others that they are questioning truth uh, also. I, I've noticed how... Younger generations, and I don't just mean younger than me because that's about everybody, but uh, you know, millennials and below are questioning some really what we would think of as core matters, the kinds of things we sang about a little while ago. God the Father, 
Holy Spirit, uh, you know, Jesus as the Son of God, life, you know, all, all these things uh, are, are being questioned more and more. And that, that doesn't disturb me. What disturbs me is I'm just not sure there are going to be enough people, enough Christians, walking along beside them in love and in support as they question these truths. And if we don't do that, who will? As people question core truths about God, as people question core truths about their own identity, their own sexual identity, if, if we're not walking beside them in, in love and in understanding, then what answers are they going to come up with? I've had someone uh, very close to me in my own family who has questioned truths about the existence of God. And what breaks my heart is I was not able to be a part of that conversation because she didn't want to disappoint me. And it makes me sad that I didn't communicate that unconditional love as strongly as I should have. And so now I'm on the other end of this, trying to communicate unconditional love to a family member who doesn't think there's a God anymore and doesn't believe in the Bible. And so, you know, I, I remember I, I listened to a, a podcast called Hinge. And I, it's, a, it's a wonderful podcast, and it's, it's co-hosted by a pastor and an atheist. And um, that's kind of risky, you know? It's kind of risky to do that because every episode doesn't end with, well, here's the, here's the point that the atheist is making, but here's what we really know to be true. And, and putting that out there, out there is a risky thing because um, I don't want anybody to hear those arguments against God. But, but I, I think we have to be open to what is being said. So at the very least, we can maybe help someone work through that. And it's actually been very good for my own faith to hear this reaffirmation of, of why there is a God to start with. And I'm kind of muddling this up a little bit, I know, but I, I want to leave you with this challenge. Based on that observation that it's okay to question truth, will you be the kind of person to whom someone can express their doubts? Will you be that kind of person to whom someone can express doubt? And know they will be loved, and know they will be accepted. I, Sandy was pointing out to me between the services what it says on our sign out there, that what living love looks like, that we're, we're going to be the kind of place where, that people will come home to. I'm not saying that right, but you, you know what I'm talking about. Will you be the kind of person to whom someone can express their doubts? And let me just say that if, if, if anybody does that, with you. There's a certain vulnerability in that. And so whether it's about God, about themselves, uh, just any kind of criticism even that they, they have to you, if, if we respond to that with rejection, 
or we lash out in anger? Why are, you, why are you asking these kinds of questions? What we really have done is communicated to them that it is not safe to talk to me. It is not safe for you to talk to me. And so that makes you wonder how, how likely are they to open up again? And instead they have to go off and discover on their own. The Holy Spirit wants to lead people to truth. He wants to lead, he's been summoned for that purpose, to lead people to truth. Maybe you and I have been summoned for that same reason. If, if the Holy Spirit is going to do that, if He's going to lead someone to truth, maybe He wants to do it through you. And that you are the person that for whatever reason that, that individual feels like he or she can come to. And be open to the possibility that the Spirit might do that to you. Not because you have the right answers, not because you can make the right arguments, but because you know the right spirit. Father, thank you for truth. And we live in a world where it just seems like there's so, uh, so much confusion and there's so many things that are being questioned, but we're just so solid as we sang earlier about, about you and your spirit and, uh, and in Jesus. But oh, some, some of us might not be. And maybe there are other things that we are questioning. And I just, I'm, I'm thankful, Father, that you didn't just give us a book, but you gave us a part of yourself through your spirit. And I'm thankful that he is within us. I'm thankful that Jesus summoned him and asked him to come alongside and to guide us as we try to navigate our way home to you. Uh, thank you for that marvelous gift. And may we not only accept his role for our lives, but may we join him. Uh, in that work, in the lives of other, others, and be a resource for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.